I'm Sarah Archer and you're listening to episode 69 of the Speaking Club podcast. One of my coaching clients at the moment is a colon hydrotherapist and she got very excited when I told her I was doing a show that would focus on addressing poor movements. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me as ever. So this show is part one of two, where I'm going to be sharing why and how we should be using movement in our talks to increase our power and impact as a public speaker. And I've got some fascinating things to share. But first, I want you to pay extra attention for a second before we start. Okay, so if you are a regular listener or indeed a new listener and you enjoy the show, if you're either one of those, I need your help. I've got a bit of a conundrum to solve and it's basically this. Because of the way us human beings are wired, we tend to shout loudest when something upsets us. Like when we've had poor service or a product is bad, then that, that's when we share about it, when we're dissatisfied. Which means that if this podcast was rubbish, <laughs> there would probably be people queuing up to leave a review. Now, obviously, I don't want to do a crappy podcast just to get more reviews. I try my best to make the speaking club an engaging listen with valuable tips and tools to help make you a better speaker. But I do need to find a way to get more ratings and reviews from listeners because they really help the show to get more visibility, which means that more people get to benefit and it helps me keep the show going. So I have two things to ask you. Firstly, have you got any suggestions as to things that I could do to inspire and motivate people like you to rate and review the show? Now, I've heard other podcasters do things like read out reviews and name listeners, but it kind of, I'm a bit too British for that. It's a bit too <laughs> show-offy, I think. Well, for me anyway. Um, but if you've got any ideas, I'm open to most things. Um, if you have, then drop me a message at sarah at saraharcher.co.uk. That's sarah at saraharcher.co.uk. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at saraharcher15 or Instagram, which I think is the same, or message me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I'm all over the place. And the second thing is, now obviously, if you have got value from me and the podcast, please would you hop on iTunes or whichever platform you're listening on and leave a rating and or review. That would be fabulous. Okay, so two things. Either ping me some ideas for motivating people like you to leave a review and or leave a rating and review of the show. Thank you. Right. Let's crack on. Let's talk about movement. Now, professional performers 
in every genre know that their body is one of the most powerful tools they have for directing an audience's attention and creating emotion. And if you want to be a sensational speaker, then you need to understand firstly why body language is so important to successful communication and then how to do it. And in this episode, in this part one, we're going to be looking at why it's so important and some examples about what not to do uh, as a speaker. Okay, so whenever we talk to someone in having a sort of face-to-face conversation, there are always two conversations going on. The words we use and our body language. Let me give you some examples where there is a mismatch that you might have experienced too. Okay, imagine you're at a networking event and someone asks you a question about your business or, you know, maybe even your journey to the event. And they, that they asked you that question would indicate that they're interested in finding out the answer. But when you start to speak, you notice they aren't looking at you. They're looking over your shoulder and around the room to see who else is coming in. So via their body language, they're actually telling you they aren't really interested. They're not really listening and they don't think you're important enough for them to give you the attention that you deserve. And this is even though they might be making those uh uh-huh, mm-hmm noises. Okay, that's one example. Let's have a look at some where speakers are concerned. Have you ever gone to a presentation and the presenter is using PowerPoint slides and the first thing they do is spend half their time looking at the computer to make sure they've got the right slide? Then they either continue looking at the slide to read what it says or they explain the slide but switch back to the computer before they finished to make sure they've got the next slide right. Now, with their body language, they are sending a few messages to the audience and none of them are good. So they might, they might be sending, I don't know my material. I'm not actually adding any value by being here on stage. You might as well have just read the slides. I'm afraid of you. I don't care whether you get this or not. And so on. So the important lesson right here is that PowerPoint is there to aid communication, not get in the way of it. So bear that in mind if you do use slides in terms of your body language and the audience. Okay, here's another speaking example. So Peter is a newish speaker and he's got his signature talk nailed. He's worked really hard to develop his speaking and it's all starting to come together. Now he starts off his talk well, he's poised, passionate, present in the moment and connecting with the audience to get his message across. Now, about 10 minutes into his talk, as he's turning to make eye contact with a different section of the audience, he notices a woman frowning whilst packing up her things to leave the presentation. Peter makes an assumption that the woman is leaving because she doesn't like something about his talk and inside he panics and he carries on with his presentation but in his mind he's going back over what he said he's evaluating what he might have have done or said that has upset her so he's no longer present in the conversation with the audience and his body starts to give him away 
um, he begins to scan the audience more quickly, trying to see if there's anyone else in the audience who aren't engaged. His poise disappears and he starts fidgeting. Then his energy drops really low and he begins to question whether his message is good enough and, and so he rushes through the rest of his talk so that he can get off stage as quickly as possible. Now, when he gets off stage, he gets told that the woman left because her car had been towed where she parked it illegally. It was nothing to do with him. Now, I'm sure you, as well as I, have have had that experience on stage where we've seen something happen and we've made it mean something about what we're saying or what we're doing. And it impacts on the way that we then communicate after. And this example is great for highlighting not only how our body language will always give us away, but what happens if we let our critic, that's our little judgy, um, logical part of our brain, a part of our personality, come on stage with us. And it also highlights how most of the time we make the wrong assumption. So first of all, don't bring your critic on stage. It's something I work really hard with my clients uh, to make them aware of. Keep the critic off stage. Um, but there's also highlights, and it's really important that you take away that there's got to be congruence between what we are saying verbally and what our bodies are communicating. And when that happens, whether it's in conversations in life or as a, as a presenter, as a public speaker on stage or in a meeting, that is when real connection and communication happens. And if the two aren't aligned, then I tell you what, people will believe the body language over the words every time. Let me say that again. People are going to believe the body language over the words every time. And you experience that yourself, I'm sure. And so that's why we as speakers need to be aware of and intentional about our movement. So there's the, the basics in terms of keeping things aligned and not getting distracted. But there's also uh, the movement that we can choreograph into our talk to amplify the words and support the message. Okay, now that you understand why movement and body language is so critical to successful communication, I'm going to show you how you can use your body to enhance your message and increase your impact. Now, performers can evoke emotion in their audience without uttering a single word, whether it's the arch of an eyebrow that makes the audience collapse in laughter, the arch of a body that communicates desire, or the arch of a conductor's hand bringing an orchestra to a crescendo. As a speaker, you also need to recognise how your body can be used in harmony with your voice and words to change the state of your audience and move them to action. So let me give you an example. I was working with a client recently and he was doing a presentation on Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who is famous for creating the character of Sherlock Holmes. But in this talk, he was focusing on how Conan Doyle was a big spiritualist. So someone who you know, believed in communicating with uh, people in the afterlife. And there was one point in my client talk, John, his name is in John's talk, where he was sharing 
how six days after Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's death, the Spiritualist Association hired out the Albert Hall in London, which is a massive space, to hold a seance to reach Arthur and how they'd left a chair for him and everyone in the audience were on edge waiting to see if the chair would be filled. Now, in itself, that's quite exciting, you know, just in terms of recalling that. But with movement added in and our voice uh, variation, we can make it even more atmospheric. So I asked John when he got to that part of the talk and specifically when he mentioned the empty chair to gesture towards a point on the stage and direct the audience's attention to it. Now he did this and suddenly we were being shown rather than told. We couldn't take our eyes off this spot as John also slowed his pace and lowered his volume and he recreated the anticipation that the audience back in 1871 must have felt. And after he did this, John said, even I was looking at the chair. Now, this is quite a dramatic scene, but your body can have a big impact in many different ways in your speaking. And those are what I'm going to share in part two. In that show, I am going to be sharing with you the importance of energy. I'm going to be sharing about proximity. I'm going to be sharing about stage dynamics. And I'm going to be sharing about something that is almost magical and can help you affect even the largest audience, even if you are on stage and can only sort of connect with the first few rows. That all to come next time. The takeaways from this show are to make sure that whether you are on stage or taking part in conversations in everyday life, your words and body language are aligned. Because if this doesn't happen, your message will be undermined. People will always believe what your body is saying versus what comes out of your mouth. Okay, and, and the PowerPoint stuff. Also take that away too. Don't get caught up in what's coming next. I mean, part of that is making sure you absolutely know your material. And, you know, so much of speaking, the confidence on stage comes from the preparation that we do off stage. And hopefully you'll have got that by now. But if you're a regular listener, it's a big thing for me. Yes, there are lots of tips and tools and techniques and skills that you can learn to increase your engagement, increase your impact uh, as a speaker through your delivery. But a lot of what you, how effective you are as a speaker, how much confidence you have as a speaker on stage comes from the work that you put in before. And you cannot expect to go on stage and deliver a, you know, a compelling talk if you've put uh, some PowerPoint slides together at the last minute and you haven't got a strategy and you haven't given it much thought at all. Now, I'm sure as a speaking club listener, that is not you, but it's worth reiterating that point. Okay, so that is it for this episode. It's a shorter one, but it's a two-parter, but you won't have to wait too long for the next one. I'm doing an extra release next week, so just one week to wait uh, for part two of this show. Uh, Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. And as I mentioned at the head of the show, leave a review and a rating if you would be so kind. Thank you again. And don't forget 
to go and grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Hey, if you're listening to this show because you want to start speaking or have a big talk or pitch coming up and you want to make it the best it can be, then you made the right choice because this podcast is the vehicle that can help you get there. But I wanted to tell you about something that will get you there even faster. Something that incorporates all the hacks, tools and tips I've picked up from my years in comedy, theatre, marketing and coaching. And that's my blueprint for creating and delivering a story-led talk that engages, inspires and converts. And the best bit is that I'll be sharing my blueprint and the mindset hack that will help you overcome public speaking anxiety in a free webinar masterclass. To register, go to thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass. This puppy gives you the soup to nuts for creating powerful talks that connect with and engage your audience every time. So grab your place now. That's thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass.